Tonight we're going to continue along our teaching lines of going through the steps here at, at GZM. Tonight we're going to be discussing step seven, which is that we humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. You know that a lot of times we, we kind of skip through this section of the steps. We don't really understand it or we, we just kind of say a tiny little prayer and we keep it moving. But I believe that there is something powerful in here that if we really look at it a little bit differently, that we can see something very important that we should be doing on a regular basis. You know, it starts off with humbly ask. And, you know, one of our biggest shortcomings is pride, where we don't like to ask for help and we try to do everything ourselves. You know, typically it says that, you know, we're, we have self-will run riot. You know, the root to sin is selfishness. You know, last week I, I talked about that pride was a sin that was pregnant with all of their sins. You know, so as young kids, you know, we, we learn some of these shortcomings, you know, and we've been carrying them through our entire lives. You know, and as we get to this place in our step work, you know, we're, we're uncovering things in our fourth and our fifth step. We're, we're looking at, you know, aspects of things that we need to forgive. We're looking at our part. We're looking at, you know, character defects that continue to emerge. And we have come to this place where we're entirely ready to let him take these things. But humbly asking him on a regular basis to, to truly remove them. You know, I think that so often we, we say like one little tiny prayer and then we just keep on going with our lives. And now Jesus can do anything. You know, he moves in suddenlies. He moves in tiny little prayers. He moves in silent prayers. He moves in prayers that we didn't even realize that we were saying. He moves in other people's prayers for us. But a lot of times we make excuses for some of the things that we have. And we just keep hanging on to them and we use the excuse of, well, this is who I am. Well, this is the way it's always been. You know, which keeps us trapped in this place because we can't break free from the people that we are because we keep making excuses for the person that we are. You know, and it, it's important that as we're turning our life over to Jesus, you know, in step three that we, we made a decision to turn our will over, that's not a one-time decision. You know, that's a, a moment-to-moment decision. You know, how many of us have made that decision in the morning that we said our little prayers in the morning, and by the time we got to work, we're ready to murder somebody. You know, the, you know, until we get our cup of coffee, stay away from us. You know, we, we have these little sayings that make excuses for some of the areas in our lives that we don't really want to adjust. You know, but Jesus wants to come into our lives and really begin to turn things upside down and that we would be known by our love, that we'd be known by the fruits of the Spirit that our shortcomings, you know, most of the people that know us, know us by our character defects and our shortcomings. But as we turn our identity over to Christ, that people should know us by the characteristics that are in Christ that come out of us. You know, so it, it's so important that we, we recognize some of these character defects and shortcomings and we are constantly asking him to take them. You know, for me... One of the reasons that I came to some sort of understanding that there must be a God is that I knew that there's nothing I could do to take my anger away. 
There was nothing that I could do to make my shame go away. You know, and I began to pray. And I asked, you know, basically, take my anger, take my anger, take my anger, help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself. And as many of us have prayed, nothing happened. But I prayed that consistently every night before I went to bed. You know, I didn't even say God. I was still too arrogant to even acknowledge that he was there. I was just kind of uttering things into the universe. And lo and behold, he showed up one evening and went to bed one way, and I woke up a new way. And from that point forward, I was like, there's something to this prayer stuff. There must be a God. And, you know, AA taught me that God couldn't, would if he were sought, relieve me of the obsession of my mind, relieve me of my alcoholism. You know, and I've come to understand through Christ that he can do all things. You know, he can do the impossible. You know, I lay my life down before him that he begins to do a great work in us. You know, but so often we get so far with Jesus and then we we stop. You know, we have the fear of success and the fear of failure and the fear of intimacy, the, the, the fear of responsibility. You know, the fear of commitment. You know, there's all these different things that we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to be accountable. You know, that fear and pride and selfishness begin to emerge over and over and over again, even though we're sober, even though we we may have put down a drinker and drug, even though we may be working on our relationships, even though we may be working on all these other areas in our lives, these things continue to emerge in our lives and prevent our spiritual growth. You know, and it's so important that we're coming to the Lord on a regular basis asking Him for help. You know, that so often, you know, that God becomes our last resource. You know, that I'll do it myself. You know, and then we'll ask somebody's help. You know, and, and normally we gravitate to the people that will co-sign what it is that we're trying to do. You know, we don't go talk to the person that's going to tell us the truth. Or we don't go talk to the person who's going to tell us something that's difficult. We don't go talk to the person that may contradict what it is that we want to do. We go talk to the person that's like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, I knew that was a great idea. You know, why? Because I don't want to work on something or I don't want to face something. You know, most of us in here are runners. I was a runner my whole entire life. You know, anytime that anything didn't go my way, I'm going to run, you know. You know, I run away. I, I, you know, have geographical changes. I, I quit jobs. You know, I've quit relationships. How many times have we broken up in a relationship because we're afraid they're going to break up with us first, so we break up with them? You know, and, and there's this fear and there's this brokenness on the inside of us that continues to, to linger even though we're working on other aspects. You know, the first step says I'm powerless, you know, over alcohol and drugs or dysfunction in my life, you know, and my life has become unmanageable. You know, I've come to realize that the 12 steps is a tool that I can apply to any area of my life. You know, so it's not just drugs and alcohol. It becomes cigarettes and sex, you know, and I'm working on food, you know, and in other areas of my life. If I, I plug that into this sequence, this tool, that I begin to, to see the pattern in my life and I have to start working on these things. You know, that it's so important that I recognize what's going on through my step work, that it's given me the blueprint, so I, I recognize what's going on inside of me internally. You know, before, it's like, how did I get here again? Why is this happening to me again? 
you know, and we're riddled with all these whys because we're not really looking at what's going on in the inside of us. We're just responding or reacting to what's going on around us and we're just setting things on fire as we continue to run away and we wonder why everybody's upset with us. You know, I've seen people, and including myself, you know, I've had anger issues in my recovery, you know, and because I wasn't willing to deal with it, you know, and I would spiritualize it and I would, you know, and make all these excuses for it until I, I got to this place where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired that I finally began to address it and I said, God, I need your grace. And every time I'd start to get angry, I'd ask myself, what am I afraid of? And I would begin to recognize my shortcoming and ask God to take this fear from me. Teach me what the lesson is that I'm supposed to be learning. Help me to handle this situation with grace. You know, I, I learned that I don't need to say everything that pops into my head. You know, as an early person in recovery, you know, it talks about being honest. So I, brutal truth. You know, I need to tell you just exactly how much you're screwed up. You know, and I've learned that that's not a loving thing to do. There's times that I need to, to not say certain things, and there's times that I can say things in a different way, and there's a, a place and a time to say things that aren't hurtful. You know, for many years, you know, people would say that I, I'm too direct or I'm too harsh, you know, and I would hear the Holy Spirit telling me that it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because I would come off with a tone and I would come off with an arrogance and I'd come off angry that people didn't realize that there was love underneath all that. But I had this outer shell still that would hurt people. You know, and some people knew that it was coming from love because they'd see my actions, but other people that were not used to me would feel intimidated by me. You know, and I still have to work on that. I'm a big guy. I look kind of scary to people that are new. You know, and I have to realize that you don't know me, you know, and I have to carry myself in a certain way. So I have to be praying, you know, God help me to to express myself the way you want me to express myself. I can't express myself the way I want to express myself because, you know, anger has been a tool to get what we want. It's been a, a tool to manipulate other people around us to get what we want. So a lot of times when we don't get what we want, anger comes to the surface. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of us don't like it. You know, we do get a sense of power. We get a little zing from it. But we keep everybody at a distance. You know, I remember very clearly, you know, that I was really struggling with being alone. But I kept everybody at arm's length. And I didn't let anybody inside. You know, and... The reason why I'm alone all the time is that I've created this because I'm afraid to let people in because everybody's hurt me, abandoned me, rejected me. So I pretend like I don't care. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm depressed because I don't have any real friends. You know, and I have to begin to look at my part of this situation. You know, and the program taught me, if you want a friend, be a friend. And I'm like, I don't like anybody. How do I do this? You know, you know, and what I began to learn even though I would hang out with people, is that I would hang out with people I don't like because I'd rather hang out with people I don't like than hang out with the person that I hate, and that's the person I saw in the mirror every day. So I would be around people I didn't like 
and I would keep my distance from them, and I would never have real intimate relationships with people because I didn't want to be home alone. And even though I was sober, and even though I was changing, and even though I had some Jesus, I would always find myself in these chaotic situations because I couldn't handle peace on any level. And I remember very clearly one day as I went to hang out with somebody, and I knew it was a bad idea, and the day was absolutely insane, and I get home, and I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And the Holy Spirit told me that I'm confusing boredom for peace. You know, and I began to look at it a little bit differently, like, peace is something that I've never had, so I didn't recognize it. You know, and I looked at it as being bored. And the more I began to treasure peace, boredom began to disappear. Because my identity began to be in Christ, and I began to be more comfortable in myself as I grew in my my path with Christ and through my steps and in my recovery and, and healing process, that more and more as I began to turn these things over to Jesus, I began to be more and more comfortable with myself. You know, and it's so important that we recognize what's going on between our ears because this is where the battle truly is. So often we just let thoughts pop in and then we do stuff. And what we don't realize is that we have the ability to arrest these thoughts and hold them captive, bring them back to the obedience of Christ, pull down the stronghold, oppose anything, that our weapons are not carnal, but they're spiritual. So I need to learn the word of God, which is the sword of the Lord. I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn what the armor of God is. I need to put on the helmet of salvation to protect my mind. I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart, the belt of truth to protect my purity, the boots of peace so I can walk in peace no matter where I go, the shield of faith to protect me from the attacks of Satan. I need to wield the sword of the Lord to come against the, the lies and the schemes and the scams and the deception of the enemy with truth. You know, And as I begin to stand in Christ, I begin to see the areas in my life that don't align with Christ. And I have to begin to say, I don't want to be this man anymore. I don't want to be this person anymore. That I don't want to... Say I'm a Christian and have this area that's completely outside of Christ and say, well, that's just who I am. Because then I'm making excuses for my sin. I'm also giving the enemy a, a, a pathway into my life that continues to push the button. You know, don't we have somebody in our life that's really good at pushing our buttons? You know, and it's so important that we recognize our own buttons. And say, you know what? I'm moving the button. I'm giving the button to Jesus. Now you've got to mess with Jesus to push my button. You know, and it takes some time to do that. As we do our step work, we start to look at the areas in our lives that are out of place. And we ask Jesus to begin to heal us. And we see these areas and we come to him humbly and say, please take this from me. You know, <clears throat> I remember very clearly when... God started to move in my life, and I was so sick and tired of being the person that I was that I was praying regularly about basically everything that was wrong. You know, and I've learned that the level, the amount of prayer that we give to some area is how much we want God to move it, heal it, change it, do something in it. You know, so if I'm not really praying for some area in my life, and I'm still trying to be the the, the main operator on how this is going to take place, 
most likely I still want what I want. You know, and I'm humbling myself and saying, God, I'm ready. I remember the very first time that I said, God, take my addiction. I was like, whoa, whoa, do I really mean that? Do I really want him to take my addictions away? Well, could you just kind of take the pain and let me have some fun on the side? But how often does that work? It doesn't ever work. It hasn't worked in decades. But yet, if I give up using, then I have to let go of my best friend. But it's also the very thing that's been poisoning me and destroying my life. But it's also the chief thing that's helped me to keep myself hidden. And I said, nope, take my addiction. You know, and take my pain. And Lord, heal my mind. And take my depression and take my anxiety and take my anger. And I, every time that these things would begin to pop up in my life, I'd say, Lord, I need you to take that. You know, help me not to be a person that lies anymore. Help me to be an honest person. Help me to be a man of integrity. Help me to have honor. You know, am I ever going to be perfect? No, but I'm to progress down these spiritual lines. So when I make mistakes, I humble myself and say, you know what, I lied to you. And people look at you like, what? Because whoever admits that they lie to somebody. But I wanted to be a man that, that tells the truth. You know, when I was angry with somebody or I was short with somebody, I try to go to them and say, I'm sorry today. Am I perfect? No, I'll never be perfect. But I can learn how to be a man of integrity and how to be humble and say, you know what, I'm sorry. And I can ask Jesus into these areas of my life that are still out of place and say, Jesus, help me to put down the donuts. But they taste really good, Jesus. All right, Jesus, I'm ready to work on this. You know, and many of us start in areas and then slip in areas and start in areas and slip in areas, start in areas and slip in areas, you know, you know, and we've been doing it for years. So why is there an area inside of us that gets to a certain place and something begins to get triggered? You know, as I've been working through my, you know, overeating and, and being overweight and using food as a coping mechanism and using food as an idol and using food as an addiction, you know, for many years now, I've been 300 pounds, 240, 300 pounds, 240. And I can fluctuate 50 pounds within the midst of a year. You know, and there's times that I'm really dedicated to it and I start getting disciplined and I start going in the right direction. And then I slowly begin to let some areas slide. And the next thing you know, I'm starting to climb the, the hill again. And this time, as things began to slip, I'm like, God, what is this? What is going on inside of me? And he's showing me that I get anxious or I have anxiety in certain areas. Stress levels begin to spike. And without even realizing it, I'm putting something in my mouth just as I used to put something in my mouth. You know, instead of drinking, I'm using food. Instead of drugs, I'm using food. Instead of women, I'm using food. Instead of pornography, I'm using food. So I still have this addiction. I still have this coping mechanism that's not Jesus. So I have this shortcoming of anxiety that I'm out of balance and I'm using the wrong things to help me to cope with it. You know, and no one likes to be told that you have to be working on something. But the truth of the matter is, is I need to be working on something. You know, 
there's never going to be a day in my life and there's never going to be a day in your life that we wake up and be like, yes, I have this Jesus thing figured out. I don't have to do any work anymore. That prayer has to be this consistent piece of the puzzle that we're praying on a regular basis over the areas in our lives that we we recognize that we don't want anymore and we say, God, take this from me. I don't want to be known for this anymore. I don't want to be known as an angry man. I don't want to be known as a selfish man. I don't want to be known as a liar. I don't want to be known as an addict. I don't want to be known as someone that's overweight. I want to be known for you and you alone. That my identity becomes in Christ. That I put on Christ. That Christ is my only identity. Not that I won't have areas that need to be worked on. But I'm humbly coming before him and saying, God, I want to be known for you. You know, and things that I've learned through the years is that situations come at us. Any given trial, any given circumstances comes down the road. You know, and some things are sent by Jesus and some things we bring upon ourselves because we're dabbling in stuff that we shouldn't. You know, sin has consequences, but life has, you know, trials too. You know, and Jesus can use everything according to his good if we turn to him in the midst of it. But what I've learned is that when a circumstance comes my way, it gets initially met by my ego. My ego is the first thing that jumps out there because it's rooted in my flesh. That it has to get through my flesh to my spirit. So when it hits my ego... If I'm deflating my ego and letting Jesus reign in my life, then I become more humble and humility begins to emerge. If it comes down the pike and the ego gets hit and I'm edging God out and my pride begins to raise up, I begin to do it my way. Selfishness begins to come. Entitlement begins to come. And all these things begin to happen and then I fall on my face, and I'm humiliated. So the root word is humble, and I can either have humility or humiliation, and it's all what I do with my own ego. Either I lay that thing down at Jesus' feet and say, I'm going to do it your way, or I say, no, Jesus, I'm going to do it my way. You know, And maybe I don't get humbled right in the moment, but I've learned that if I do it my way, destruction will come. And there's many verses that say pride comes before the fall. And it also talks about if I humble myself, then God will lift me up. You know, today I'm tired of trying to do things my way. And I, I want God to move in my life. You know, and it doesn't mean I always put the right foot forward first. There's lots of times I, I step out and I'm like, whoa, nope, 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 back up. Jesus, I need you. You know, and it's recognizing our blueprints. So when we start to head down the wrong road, that we can catch it quicker and quicker so I don't end up in somewhere that I don't want to be, that I recognize I'm headed in that direction because I, as I've headed in that direction a thousand times, I know where I'm going to end up. You know, the program talks about playing the tape forward. It's not just about picking up a drink. If I go hang out with that girl, play the tape forward, what's going to happen? Probably not anything good. You know, if I'm dishonest with my money, what's going to happen? You know, we can play the tape four. We know what's going to happen if I go down these roads. So humbling ourselves and asking Jesus to take these types of shortcomings from us helps us to live a life of honesty and integrity, selflessness, humility, 
And all of a sudden, we start to put some of our steps in a row following Jesus, and we start to see, like, this stuff is actually working. You know, we're many times in our recovery, we've put one step forward and two back, and three steps forward and five back, and we get ten forward, and all of a sudden, twenty back. You know, and it's like we've been dosy doing. But the truth of the matter is, is for us to get consistent growth, we got to be laying stuff down on a regular basis. You know, turning my will over is not a one-time thing. You know, humbling myself is not a one-time thing. You know, humility, for me, is a lesson that I can learn, you know, many times in the day. You know, as situations arise, that I can handle it with a prideful attitude or a humble attitude. You know, that I have the choice to let humility reign in my life or I can let pride reign in my life. You know, I can be selfish or I can be selfless. I can be full of fear or I can tackle things with courage. You know, and we've learned that, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the ability to rise above it or push through it. You know, and there's aspects of this that we have to ask the Lord for help. You know, but part of asking the Lord for help is that we know what we're asking for help. You know, although Jesus helped me is a very powerful prayer. But a lot of times we we make excuses for certain things and we're like, well, why is this happening? And we know if we really look at it, we know exactly why it's happening. You know, so we need to recognize them, you know, as we're going through our step work, as we're doing a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, you know, that we should recognize some of these things. You know, we have some things in our blind spots that people have been telling us for years that you have this issue. We're like, no, 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 I don't have that issue. But then we're like, yeah, I guess I have that issue. You know, as we begin to recognize these things, it becomes easier and easier to, to recognize when they start to pop up in our lives. You know, and we have to dig out the roots. We have to, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be this man anymore. I don't want to be this person anymore. So as we recognize them, we stop making excuses for them. Well, I'm just an angry person. Well, that's true. But the Bible says that they're going to know us by our love. So I can pretend to be an angry person and say I belong to Jesus, or I can say I'm working on it, I'm not there yet, but I know that Jesus is going to make me into a man full of the grace and that people will know me by, my lo- by his love one day. You know, you, know, you know, this is just the way I am. You know, but I'm new in Christ. You know, that there's excuses that we use to stay stuck. And we have to say enough of the excuses, recognize them, and begin to turn these things over to the Lord. Because for our identity to be in Christ, that we have to be taking these things to the cross and saying, you know what, I don't want to be this person anymore. You know, and as we ask him to remove them, you know, the enemy is going to hand it right back to us. You know, and we have to say, nope, not today. I'm not taking that back. You know, a lot of times we're trying to get free of the enemy, but we're holding his hand. Like, devil, get away from me. But we're in sin. And we have to say, nope, not today. Get away from me. Get behind me, Satan. You know, and something that I've learned is that If I'm not technically following Christ, I'm moving towards what Christ is asking me to do. When I say Satan, get behind me. If I'm not moving, 
He's still right there. He may have went from in front of me to behind me, but if I'm not following Christ, I can't leave him in my dust. I can't kick the dust from my feet and say, you know, peace out, devil. You know, and it's so important that we, we know who we are in Christ. So when the enemy tries to hand something back to us, we say, no, there is no condemnation in Christ because the blood of Jesus has washed me clean. No, I've been forgiven of that sin, so Satan get behind me. And we begin to recognize the ways the enemy attacks us and trying to hand us back some of these character defects and shortcomings and say, nope, I'm asking Jesus to take that, and I've been doing pretty good in my purity, so nope, I'm not going there today. You know, and we have to guard these things as well as asking him to take them. You know, because we are new in Christ. And what I've learned is that I not only have to kick him out of my household, I've got to kick him off my porch. And once I kicked him off the porch, I've got to kick him out of the yard. And once I kick him out of the yard, I've got to kick him off the fence. And I've got to basically keep doing it over and over and over again. And in James 4, it says, resist the enemy, submit to God. And the enemy will flee. But I can't hang out with him every day. I can't entertain him. I can't listen to his voice speaking into my life. I have to let him know who I am in Christ. So that as he takes these shortcomings, I recognize that I'm not that person anymore. So when the enemy tries to remind me who I used to be, I can say, not today. You can just keep it moving. But the enemy doesn't give up so easily. He waits for the opportune time to come back and remind us of what we used to be. And sometimes he hands us stuff and we didn't recognize we took it. And then we, we get stuck in certain things and, it, and it's using what we've learned to find freedom again. You know, and the only way to find freedom again is to, to humble ourselves and ask for help. You know, that none of us are perfect. We're growing along spiritual lines. We're not ever going to get everything perfectly right. But as we keep ourselves humble and we have people around us and we have a relationship with Jesus, that we're not just going through the motions, that we understand step work, we understand how this tool works, that if there's ever a time that we begin to slide, we can catch it quicker and quicker so that it doesn't completely just end in ruin. You know, so, you know, to me, as we go through this, that our prayer game has to step up. You know, what is it in my life that I don't want anymore? And i got to start asking, Jesus, will you take this away from me? I humbly ask you to take this. I'm ready for you to remove it. I'm ready to lay this down at the cross. I'm ready to, to deal with this. I'm ready to, to process this. Whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit is, is saying that needs to be done, that I, I'm ready to do it his way. I'm, I'm tired of trying to force it my way because that always ends up in destruction. You know, and as we go through this process, we realize that the reasons that we've done certain sins, whether it's drugs and alcohol, you know, been in, in many dysfunctional relationships, you, food, you know, fly, doesn't matter what it is, whatever that sin is, as we begin to uproot these things, it's harder for the enemy to hand that back to us because the reasons that we used to use those things aren't in there anymore. You know, that I've always said that drugs and alcohol weren't my problem. You know, I have a past that's got to get processed. i got a past that needs to get some healing. I need some Jesus in some of these dark places that I don't ever talk about. You know, and when the light shines upon me, I become light. So with the darkness that the enemy has been hiding in all these years gets exposed, 
and it becomes easier to pull down strongholds. It becomes easier to give things to Jesus because I see him illuminating these areas of my life that don't align with Christ. And I, I begin to say, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to put down childish things. It's time to me to, to press on to Jesus. It's time for me to serve Jesus. It's time for me to be a witness for Jesus. It's time for Jesus to use my mess as my message. You know, I can't be a victim of my, my childhood, my upbringing, my, my sin nature. I can't be a victim of what the enemy is doing. It's time for me to, to grab the hand of the victorious warrior who overcame death and sin and say, enough's enough, it's time for me to move forward. And how I do that is I ask him into my life on every given thing and say, enough is enough, I'm ready to change. You know, and it's a process. You know, some things quickly, sometimes slowly. But they all materialize if we work for them. You know, that prayer is work. Prayer is a relationship. Relationships take work. You know, and as we process and, and go through things and ask Jesus into these areas, more and more healing takes place. More and more Jesus gets established. Godly character begins to, to grow in us. And that we're able to persevere instead of run away. And that we're able to, to give Christ victory in our lives. So I just really encourage you to, to be paying attention to some of the things that you're going through on a regular basis and say, all right, Jesus, what is this? You know, and, and begin to, to go deeper with it. You know, and if you don't know what it is, talk to people about it, you know, and be praying about it. Prayer is our number one weapon. You know, and as we become prayer warriors and praying about everything and not worrying about things, we begin to see godly coincidences begin to show up all over the place. And it becomes easier to communicate and becomes easier to have this relationship with Jesus. And then we begin to hear him a little bit more clearly. Because our distractions and our pain are at the altar. You know, and it's a process. You know, this is always a process. You know, there are suddenlies. I've seen them in my life. I've seen them in other people's lives. But a lot of things are through. You know, it's discipline. It's trial. It's pressing through. It's learning. It's trusting in Jesus. It's applying his word. It's pulling out my sword and saying, devil, get off my life. You know, and, and prayer is my number one way that I, I wield my sword. So if you would just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I pray that those of us that are recognizing some of these areas in our lives, that you would take them from us. That you take depression, you take anxiety, you take anger, you take lust. You take our selfishness. You take our pride. Lord, we need you to come. Remove these shortcomings in our lives, Lord. Help us to honor you and help us to represent you well. Help us to be beacons of light in our family, in our jobs, in the, no matter where we walk. Lord, that people would see that there is something different about us because you live inside of us. That we express light, we express compassion, kindness, love, gentleness, peace. We're generous. We have self-control. Lord, that your fruit begins to emerge in our lives because we're pressing into you and that you are the true vine. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have our roots go deep in you so that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and that we would have life flowing out of us, that that living water, we would be able to pass it on to other people that are around us. Lord, help us to be the men and women that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.